Welcome back to another episode of We All Have Casts. If you're new here, this podcast is centered around thank you letters uh, and explores topics such as gratitude, obviously, um, but also passion, creativity, family, um, and balancing all of that. Um, Essentially, it's a way to define yourself through the relationships and the learnings that you've gotten from other people. Um, that's about it in a nutshell. The podcast is mixed up into solo episodes as well as episodes with guests. The solo episodes are just me kind of reflecting on how it's going, I guess. Uh, A lot of this podcast was derived uh, from this need for me to figure out my career and where to really, I guess, run towards. So it's just an update on that. This is episode 11, so technically we're 10 episodes in. Uh, The next one recorded as well. Uh, I just wanted to kind of reflect on what episodes there have been thus far, and then things I've learned from them, uh, the significance of some, some behind-the-scenes stories of others, uh, that type of thing. But because this is a a very personal podcast, I thought I would talk about something that's very personal to me as of late, and that is the rage of 2020, the coronavirus. So at the point of recording, uh, the NBA has just been canceled. The NHL has been canceled. Um, pretty much everything uh, has been canceled. And all the local events that are 250 people plus have been canceled here. And so that's kind of the state of things. Um, also, there's a lot of kind of media popping up where you know, elderly people are getting destroyed at Costco, uh, essentially, um, over toilet paper. And I think that's very, I mean, clearly that's very sad. Um, and then there's this whole <coughs> debate online, uh, very, I guess, conflicting perspectives where one party is saying, Hey, don't overreact. Uh, the common flu is much worse. And the other people are saying, hey, wake up. This is clearly not the same thing. It's more contagious and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the ones, the voices that struck out the most to me, and I have to admit that I, I thought of it at one point as well, was, hey, I'm young. Uh, the likelihood of me dying from this disease or being severely ill from this disease is very slim. And I was seeing a lot of infographics popping up on social media supporting this. And that's fair and dandy. But uh, And then slowly now, this other voice has been coming out, which uh, I think is a relief. But this other voice is saying, you might be fine, and that's great, but then you might bring it uh, you might be the vehicle for it to go or for an elderly person to get the to contract the illness. And uh, and that's so true. Like for me, my my mom is diabetic uh, type one and then my father is over 60, 63. And then obviously my brother is uh, special needs. So for me is even more imperative that uh i take this seriously and um not to brush it off as a and not to joke around with it because i think clearly as that the situation the nba showed it's not something we should joke about um which is easier said than done i totally understand that i'm not above that 
But it's something that I've been really thinking about and trying to internalize these past few days. Um, yeah, because for me personally, I think me and the news, I try to maintain a quote unquote safe distance from it. I think um, there are too many rhetorics behind it, too many agendas behind different news sources uh, that it gets muddy after a while. But obviously, you still want to know what's going on in the world. So I think I just. But also, there's just so much negativity. Um, like the other day, I finally saw the uh, Don't Fuck With Cats documentary on Netflix. And then it's a great documentary. But yeah, it's just damn. The, too much negativity, I guess, is the simplest way to put it. Um, I don't know what the healthy way to uh, navigate that is, like whether to block it out or, you know, take healthy doses if there is such a thing, uh, stuff like that. That's what I was thinking about. Anyways, so Corona shit um, will pop up in the next episode too, actually, about just racism connected to it. But even that aside, I think, well, that's equally as important, but I don't know. It's a fucking mess. Um, and people panicking really does not help. So if everybody could just act with some class, some responsibility and respect, then I think things will be fine. But clearly, we're not capable of that. And I don't think people should expect that of people because people are people, myself included. But that's that. Back to the podcast. So 10 episodes in, and we've had... I don't know how many guests, actually, probably like seven or six. And so first off, thank you so much to those guests. Um, I, w I appreciate it a lot. And I don't think I'll forget these first 10 guests. Um, yeah, it's just, for me, it was the biggest sign of support. And obviously, there have been people who have, sending, who have sent me messages separately, um, kind of just supporting the podcast and saying congratulations or that they enjoyed listening to an episode. So to those people as well, definitely, uh, I'm so grateful. Um, but to the guests themselves who actually went another way to write a letter and to take part in this, um, thank you a, a lot. And I hope that you got something out of it, <coughs> um, whether it be through the writing experience or just to sit down and chat with me. Um, and that's one thing that was new to me is that I think this podcast is ultimately more about, unfortunately to you, the listener, it's more about me and the guest. And I think the true value that it holds is there. Um, whereas for the viewer or listener, the value lies more actually in these short snippets that I upload, um, in the form of video, but it also takes, um, parts of the podcast as well. And I don't know why that is or why I think of it that way, but definitely for me, it's kind of comprised of those two components of the full episode and the videos. And I really don't expect people to listen to the full podcast episode. I think that's why. Um, but I don't know. Anyways, realizing that it's more about me and the guest, though, really, really, I don't know. It, it takes off the pressure, I think, as well. Or it makes it more enjoyable, I think, but also more organic. Um, 
but that's an incomplete thought. So maybe we'll dive more into that in the future. But for now, yeah, this podcast has definitely become more about the people that have come on and about me. Speaking of me, where I'm at um, now that I'm 10 episodes in, it's been confusing. Uh, things with... So, so I wanted to pivot my career into something not creative, um, yet something that's still me. And I thought that would be academics. And so academic advising was kind of where I wanted to head. And getting there was going to involve just anything, any like small job at the university and then work my way up because apparently you need to get your foot in the door and build connections and do that. Um, I haven't been able to do that just because the nature of, I guess, who I am. Uh, there's been a lot of side projects that I've been trying to do uh, and I enjoy doing. So in order to keep all these things going, I kind of need to be very flexible. And so that has been kind of the debate as of late. Uh, when is the right time to cut all these out and then really start pursuing that? Or or should I even reconsider that already without even having tried it? Because the other thing that has popped up is uh, this podcast itself. Um, how far do I pursue this? How far do I want to take this project? And so far, it's been so the the perfect kind of reflection of me. Um, my personality has definitely changed over time. I've become more introverted, and I really enjoy more intimate um, gatherings. So this project has definitely been a reflection of that, I think, and has really reinforced that uh, in terms of showing me that, yeah, I really do enjoy these one-on-ones more so than group gatherings. And just talking with some of the guests afterwards, too. A lot of people have been very supportive of it. Uh, definitely Emerson. And thank you, Sunny, as well. Um, just seeing a lot of potential in the project. And that began to, I guess, get my hopes up. <laughs> or just got me thinking about, okay, where where should I take this? The next guest actually also asked me, what's the end goal for this podcast? And so, yeah, I don't have an answer for that. Um, but I'm thinking of it and I'm wondering if it's even worth having a goal. But we'll see where I stand on that in the future. Uh, as of now, I just want to keep doing it. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the year, my goal is just to make it to the end of this year. Um, and with current events, that seems harder than uh, than it once seemed. But uh, yeah, that's the goal, just to create these episodes and pieces of content for the podcast until the end of this year. Anything beyond that, we'll have to see. So I guess now we can just do a quick run through of all the episodes. Uh, episode one was just background and context to this podcast. Um, so those are kind of just the beginning ideas of uh, what I wanted this to be. And I think a lot of what I said in that episode still applies right now because um, we're only 10 episodes in. I think in the future I'll revisit that properly and then see what has changed. But for now, episode two 
a lot of this podcast was predicated on AJ and his relationship with his brother. Um, so when I first had the idea in 2017, it wasn't really about anything deeper than gratitude. It was just about, hey, let's spread some good stuff in the world. But this time around, um, I wanted it to obviously be longer than just a letter. And so naturally I thought of guests and then that one thing led to another and I realized AJ would be the perfect kind of mold for this where he has been shaped, um, his career path, his, not his career path, but his passions and his creative goals have been shaped by his, by his brother. So this podcast was built around that and to have him on as the first guest was amazing. I'm so glad that he was on board for this and that he talked about his brother. So if you've listened to the episode, we had not talked about his brother that much prior to this episode. Um, that's why I was very careful in asking him about it as well. Um, but I'm I'm very glad that we eventually did talk about that. And that's why the title of the episode is kind of finding passion um because sometimes it really does come from unexpected places uh and that's what i'm still honestly i think i'm still searching for passion and yeah especially over the years i've become much less passionate and driven i think about just life uh, not to sound like I'm depressed or anything, because I'm not. It's just like I've become jaded, I think, and a little bit more pragmatic. So I need to take more reserved steps when approaching something new or a new idea or a new project, I think. Uh, or And I know kind of telltale signs of whether or not, okay, these people are serious or these people are not serious. Um, do I want to invest any more time into this? Probably not or yes, and then go from there. So this whole thing about finding passion, but I think ultimately that is whatever dri- what drives those type of things, those projects, that motivation is ultimately passion. And that's why I don't think I have it right now. I don't really feel that drive for anything um, that's going on in my life at this moment. So I need to find it, essentially. Uh, so this episode was very helpful in terms of looking at uh, where can passion come from? And obviously the big thing was family in this episode. So I have begun to look at uh, my relationship with my mom, my dad, my brother, and seeing what types of passions come out from there. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how that translates into work or career, but undeniably uh, they are going to be connected to whatever passion I land upon. Episode three was looking at friends. The guest was Aurea, and I was a podcast guest of hers. So that was kind of my first experience uh, speaking on podcast. So definitely she had an influence on the birth of this one um, because it was just so fun and a load off my chest, I think, but also a good way to ideate um, or just to speak ideas into existence. So thank you, Aurea. Obviously, with her episode, it was a lot more lighthearted than we both had intended, I think. But I mean, enjoyable all the same. 
the topic that really came out of the out of it though was the topic of best friends and the byproduct of that just being friends and relationships in general. I think this really led to the future topics because for me, my best friends are split between two cultures. So they're my friends that are more Korean than Canadian. And then there are my friends that are more Canadian than Korean uh, or just not Korean at all. So thinking about that topic really gave a better idea again of just who I am, I think culturally, um, but also the way I carry myself in social situations or the types of social situations I enjoy now have definitely changed over time. And one unfortunate thing about this episode was I was still figuring out the technical side of things. And in the middle, we actually lost a big chunk of conversation, which I think was the best part of that conversation. I can't recall exactly what it was, but it had to do with just kind of vulnerability and how that correlates with how close you are with a person. Um, and sometimes certain group of friends, you can be very close, but you can't be very vulnerable and can't speak about more deeper topics, I guess. Episode three, episode four, sorry. Episode four was with Albert, who I think is a very important um, character in my life but um that episode i wish we could have dove into modney more basically modney was the korean canadian nonprofit organization um i was trying to get off the ground back in 2014 or so um essentially i wanted to build a community for korean canadians uh based on different types of art so the first phase of that was building this traditional-ish uh, Korean drumming team. So it's a uh, Korean traditional drumming mixed with kind of more modern tastes. Um, but to build a community uh, on that and build a team, and I think at one point we got to like 20 people on the team. And once that was kind of self-sustaining or solidified and I could kind of give the reins over to somebody else, I was going to start a different team. Um, and just kind of like, even if I didn't take part in it, so maybe something like a dance team um, or maybe something like a um, music club or something like that. So just different forms of art and bringing people together in these micro communities under one big roof. And ultimately the point of that was, well, A, to feed this need for community, but B, to explore these topics of what it means to be bicultural, what it means to be Korean Canadian, and basically all these topics that are now surfacing up. I don't know how Asian I am. I don't know how K Korean I am. I don't know how quote-unquote white I am. Uh, when I'm with Asian folk, I don't really fit in. When I'm with Western folk, I don't really fit in. So these topics were on my mind back then, and that's what I really wanted to, you know, spark was conversation surrounding that. So I do joke about it, uh, but it is kind of... I guess for me, there's a little bit of uh, a sadness that I couldn't really pull that off. Obviously, with those close t um, 10 to 20 individuals, we did talk about those topics. But people didn't really, I guess, take it that seriously is what I, I gathered. Um, and a large part of that I attribute to the fact that there's such a large spectrum of like 
you know, somebody, for example, might be 20% Asian, 80% Canadian. Another person might be 50-50. Uh, another person might be 70-30. So that spectrum kind of really, I guess, dictated how important certain topics were or certain phrasings of the topic were to different individuals. But now that it's kind of almost popular to talk about that, I think that's why there's such a such a surge of that topic and conversation surrounding it. And that's my worry, though, is that a lot of it seems superficial or trendy in the sense that people aren't really taking the spectrum into account. Um, but I guess they all have this central rep, um, topic of representation that keeps them all glued together. So that's great. But yeah, I wish that we had continued with Modney uh, and that my vision could have been fulfilled to see these little micro-communities pop up. So Albert and all of that was the supporting figure. Um, and I say that in the most admirable tone I can give because I think supporting somebody is the hardest thing to do. And I know back then... I was 10 times more gung-ho than now. Um, so I know that supporting somebody like me was a very difficult thing to do. Uh, very moody. Um, very eccentric, I would almost say. I don't know. Um, so yeah, to him, I'm very grateful. And he was the one that really saw this vision, I think. Yeah. So I wish we had talked more about that. Uh, what went well, what went wrong. Uh, the values that we learned from it, uh, we kind of touched on it. But again, I think I, that's something I need to work on with these episodes is to really flesh these topics out. But with him, obviously, then the topics were heavily linked to uh, cultural identity, bicultural identity in particular, or specifically Korean Canadian identity, um, as it applies to me. I do hope that the episode serves as kind of just a window into that line of thinking because I think it ex expands to much more than just a Korean-Canadian experience um, and probably even more than just a cultural experience. So the next episode, <coughs> excuse me, the next episode that I recorded, uh, the guest is talking about his interest in the arts as well as the sciences and how those two correlate and coexist. So I definitely think it applies to much more than just culture. Um, it's just this notion of living in between. Um, and that's honestly something I, I think that I'm stuck in as well, because I love academia, um, and all that stuff, but I also just love the everyday stuff, just mundane stuff. Um, as well as just, you know, in my case, video and photo. My favorite word growing up was vernacular, which is just kind of like layman's language or the everyday language of people. Like I didn't, I hated uh, when people tried to use jargon or more, I guess, advanced vocabulary just to present themselves as smarter or, um, yeah, just as intelligent in general. Because I didn't think those two went hand in hand because people can learn difficult words easily um i i don't know there was this thing of like book smart versus street smart and what is the perfect blending of the two and what is true intelligence um creativity was in that equation as well is what i was thinking i don't know i was very opinionated as a kid um 
but again, just that idea of being stuck between two places or two seemingly conflicting mindsets or skills, where do you go? How do you navigate that? How do you live with those two? Do you have to choose one over the other? Those types of topics um, are very heavily rooted in this discussion of culture, I think. And that's why culture is very important to me. So the episode after that was a solo episode. Um, and briefly, I talk about you know the state of things, how I'm doing. But then the bigger part of the episode was the letters I wrote to my mom and dad. Um, and those are the first letters that I've written to them in a long time. And for me, they were kind of just a landmark in my journey to becoming me, I guess, or an adult version of me. Because I think maybe these past few years, I've been stuck in kind of an adolescence phase is how I see it, just because it was this transition of um, being the baby in the family to uh, I can't show emotion and I have to be very stoic for the family and not show any weakness. And then now finding that balance. So I think that's the next season that I'm headed into where I know when to show weakness and when to hide it. Um, Because I think when you're in that mindset of, oh, it's so black and white, or it's very simple, I have to, you know, just hide all my emotions and not show weakness because they're going to get worried and I don't want them to. It's very linear and kind of one-dimensional thinking. So I think that's where I was stuck in for quite a while. And now I'm yeah, become much more comfortable with just sharing my deeper thoughts and my emotions, but also not sharing too much uh, or more than necessary, I think, in terms of, you know, keeping the parents happy and not so worried, but also taking care of myself in terms of, you know, my mental health, I guess, or my emotional health. Um, those types of things. For this one, the real MVP was my girlfriend, Eugen, because she's the one that helped me translate it all into Korean and then help me further refine it in Korean as well. Yeah, without her, this wouldn't have happened. I told her, I keep telling her, I'll always tell her, like, it's one of the best gifts I've received. Uh, This was right around Christmas too, so perfect timing for that. And my parents loved it. Uh, It'll be one of my most memorable memories, I think, of the decade. Uh, It was just the perfect way to, to end the year. The ultimate thing about that episode, though, it it brought me closure to a very difficult period of our lives in the family. And through that, I'm kind of able to progress with a clearer head into the future of what I need to do. Because I I had a lot of mixed emotions regarding my grandma's uh, passing uh, due to cancer because um, we had a very, not a very good relationship. Um, growing up, you know, she was grandma, but then she was also very Korean. And again, so this is related to culture. Our, our personality just wouldn't match as well. Just the way that she acted was not the way that I liked um, people to act, I guess. I don't know. So when she did pass, uh, still family. And uh yeah so it was a very interesting time and it's so easy to make it sound like she was a terrible person but she wasn't um she was very 
an amazing person in so many aspects. Uh, she lost her husband at a relatively young age. Um, she was so loving on me and my brother. And just, I don't know, just very innocent. So when she passed, uh, a lot of emotions came up. And then the main thing, though, was like seeing my mom really break down. Uh, and then for me, because I wasn't that close with her, is this kind of question of how much am I allowed to feel uh, for this? How sad am I allowed to be um, because of how I treated her while she was alive? Um, so those types of questions were definitely hard to answer. Um, I still don't really have the answers for that. I do think that there's no need to think about that, but if somebody does, I don't blame them. But yeah, so episode five was a roller coaster emotionally for me, but I'm glad that it's done. And I hope that people get something out of that episode because I think it's a very common occurrence in the Korean Canadian or Asian American experience where there is that disconnect with your parents um, in the most fundamental way being communication because no matter how well spoken they are in English if they're first generation immigrants um, there will be that wall of communication and it's a very important episode to me it's one of the shorter ones too so I'd highly recommend you go listen to it or at least watch the videos uh, we all have cast.com find the episode click the link then you're good I realized I probably should have just done these every five episodes. This is getting quite wordy. And uh, I don't know how entertaining this is or interesting this is, but thank you if you're listening. Episode six, this episode with Josh really gave me an insight into, I guess, how he's found his conviction. Um, because one thing I noticed about him is that he's so he has this conviction about his business um, and how he wants to run it. Uh, where he wants it to take him. And though and though he does say that he feels lost at times or that he doesn't really know what he's doing, I do feel like he has a very strong end goal. And I was very curious about where, where that was rooted in. And then obviously the conversation then, even though it's very much about Lex, his girlfriend, uh, it's also very much about his daughter, Isla. And one line that will always kind of stay with me from the podcast was... Uh, having a kid really makes you have to figure your shit out because you have to support this kid. You're their only real source of support, uh, financially, physically, all that stuff. So I guess with him, he had this aha moment that really compelled him to figure out what he needs to do. And I feel like I need that as well. Not, not saying that I'm going to make a baby, but I, I really, I really need that desperation, I think, to really figure out what I need to do. I think I'm hitting that point though. I think it's coming soon where I, I will have to, just because of money, where I'll have to figure something out. Um, and especially at my age and when I want to get married, I need to figure something out soon uh, in order to allow for those things to happen. So, yeah. So thank you, Josh. Uh, honestly, that was an eye-opener for me, just seeing how, how old he was and the way he was thinking uh, and the energy he had. Uh, it was definitely an energy I had at his age, but now I don't have. So it's kind of a wake-up call in terms of, man, you gotta, you gotta live. You can't live dead. Akeem's episode, I guess similar to Josh's story, um, but different situation, different tone. Speaking to a king really reminds me 
of speaking with AJ, probably because those two are very close as well. For me, I, I really liked that episode um, and just talking about all these different notions. For me, it's very relevant because in the future, I think I, I'll be in a very similar situation to Akeem. And then I know he was saying that what he was going through was very similar to me. He had opted to take on a job with a higher salary, but he found that it was lower happiness. And so in the end, after really speaking about it, his wife and just thinking about it, he ended up switching to a lower paying job with much higher happiness. And where the conversation really took us was, you know, the role of creativity. How does that fit into his life? Because for him, definitely, he has um, a lot of ambition uh, in this musical space. And he has very high goals and where he wants to take it. Um, but now it's almost as if, I don't know, like he's he's calmed down a lot. I think. And I think a lot of that is attributed to the joy he gets from raising his children. And to see that was very powerful, I think, for me. And I think that ultimately that's where I'm headed is this is that all these creative projects will kind of take a, a step back. And the main thing will, yeah, just be making a living, taking care of my family and experiencing all the joys that come with that. Again, it's very preemptive to say that. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case, but that's why this conversation, I think, was very eye-opening and relevant to me. Moving on, episode eight with Emerson. I definitely learned about, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, because I did not know that Emerson would be this kind-hearted and this, I guess, yeah, down-to-earth, really. So speaking with him, it was eye-opening for me and my personality in the sense that I realized that I really have my guard up nowadays uh, when I do meet people. And in almost, in many ways, I kind of assume the worst of a person before I get to know them. Because I think when I was younger, I would it would be the opposite. I would assume the best of them first and like really get along with them in the first two or three months. And then after that, kind of just realize like, man, I hate this person <laughs> just because uh we got too close too fast. So now when I meet a new person, it's just kind of like, ah, eh, he's another person. Um, and I try to remain neutral as possible, but I think in trying to be neutral, became a little bit more negative, kind of like, uh, yeah, no, this person, there's no way that they're this kind, they want something out of me, or they have an agenda, or they're fake, stuff like that, um, have crept up without really me noticing. And so Emerson's conversation really kind of broke that and challenged that a lot. Um, that's what I was titled, where to find positivity. And I think with him, uh, it was so apparent in so many aspects of his life, from you know his fiance uh, to his relationship with his mom, his dad, his brother, everything. Um, the really cool thing about that episode uh, was the video. Um, being able to go to Sunday dinner with his family and to see that atmosphere, experience what it's like, uh, it was a joy. And um, it's unfortunate because Sundays are like my busiest days in terms of personal uh, relationships, so like whether it be girlfriend or family. So it's hard for me to make uh, Sunday dinner in the future, but I would definitely love to go back one day. Um, 
yeah, it was just a, it was a pleasure all around. Speaking of videos, Kane's video was very interesting uh, as well because I had filmed uh, at his place before for a music video way back in the day. And to compare the two clips, I guess, or the two time periods to see how much his kids have grown and how much he's grown too, I think, it was a very interesting and cool experience to say the least. And to continue on videos, I can't believe I forgot to talk about this. Yeah, and the video for... Uh, Josh, that was the first video that I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. Like, this is really fun to make. Um, and it wasn't even the letter video. Uh, so it wasn't Dear Lex. It was the having a child in your early 20s video. Um, and it was just the type of video or videography, even just the, the way I filmed it, the way I edited it. It was all so me and the way I wanted to approach this video thing where it's very documenting not very planned not nothing staged and there's no agenda behind it it doesn't have to sell anything or whatever it's just like it was just what i wanted to create in the most authentic way i could tell it um yeah so that was kind of that kind of marked the beginning of like ah this is the type of video i want to make Oh, but actually, no, it goes before that. It goes back to the, the parents, episode five. Well, actually, technically, it goes back to ages. Anyways, all the videos for this project were exactly what I wanted to create and brought me so much joy and freedom and, yeah, just a breath of fresh air um, to create without boundaries, to create without having to run it by anybody else. Uh, it was just what I wanted to express and what I wanted to see uh, being manifested in a video. So loved that and really brought me so much joy, um, continues to bring me so much joy. Um, and yeah, so the videos are very integral to uh this podcast just as much as the podcast itself and that's what i meant by saying that um over time slowly gradually possibly the actual audio component of this podcast is more for me and the guests uh, but the videos are more of just like open uh they're for anybody uh everybody which brings us to my next favorite video um actually i don't know if there's favorites but Bryce's video was very fun and different for me. Um, even the episode itself. The letter was written to dance. So it was not written to a person for this one. Uh, and, I, and I knew that eventually the letters would turn into that. Um, I just didn't know when. I didn't know if I was ready for that to happen uh, in the episode. Because it definitely kind of takes a slightly different turn in terms of uh, the conversation. His podcast episode, I do feel like, I don't know, I feel like I could have done a much better job with the questions uh, and asking or exploring the impact of dance on him. I mean, I kind of did at the very end, but I feel like I could have done a better job um, with that conversation. But the video definitely, I think, captures enough, just kind of the emotions and the memories um, and the development of Bryce uh, as a person through dance yeah conversation with him as well uh he was kind of again it kind of like fed off of akeem's conversation in terms of taking a break from passion uh when does it take the back seat when um do you focus on other things 
And I think through exploring that question, it became apparent that for him, there's a clear distinction between videography and dance because they're both technically creative passions, um, but one he was really willing to monetize and the other was less so. And it really made me think about kind of my per perspective and my stance on monetizing video. And I think I'm in the camp of, I don't really want to monetize it. I want to be able to, it'd be nice if it was, but not as a business, um, just more as a byproduct of me doing what I want to do. Um, but we'll see if we ever get there. That was a cool conversation, though, in that sense. Uh, I've really opened my eyes to um, passion is not limited to just creative stuff because I think it introduces now this new aspect of monetization. And then finally, episode 10 with Sonny. Uh, man, yeah, I felt really good about this episode. I was very ecstatic about this episode just because I think it captured everything up until now so, so well. Um, and it really just illustrated we all have casts. Sonny's personality, his character, uh, his career path, um, the steps he took towards his career path were so heavily influenced from his sister in such a beautiful way as well. Not just like, hey, do this, do that, but just like by the display of love and support. And yeah, and just such a beautiful representation of all the premises of we all have casts. But a lot of this episode uh, really made me reflect on my values. Um, especially at one point in the conversation, we we're talking about the vice principal that gave up on Sonny, saying that he's not going to amount to anything. And at first I thought he was just a bad teacher. But then eventually I realized that um, I was thinking that based on Sonny's behavior at that age, that, oh, I can see why the vice principal thought that. But then he brought up the point saying that, oh, but you should never give up on a child. Um, so I really began to, <laughs> began to question my values and my integrity and just my kindness in general. Um, hearing this story definitely challenged all of those notions I had about myself. Um, I mean, I always knew I was kind of an asshole, but uh, it made me realize like, shit, I, I'm an asshole, asshole. Uh, in that conversation as well, Things of family, things of culture pop up. Um, so again, just captures everything. Uh, can't start on the video yet, uh, but I really, I'm looking forward to that video once it's, once we're able to begin filming. So those were all the episodes. Uh, if any of them sound interesting to you, please go give it a proper listen. Uh, obviously, I can't recall everything perfectly, so there's things that I'm missing. At the very least, check out the videos. That's what I would say. And it's come up in this episode a lot already, but I think the main thing I took away from these 10 episodes was uh, creative fulfillment, actually. And it's yeah, it's outside of the realms of the, the topics of family and culture and all that stuff, but creative fulfillment has now become one of my needs, I think, almost. Just by seeing how much joy it brings me uh, in juxtaposition to when I'm doing it for work. The reason I picked up these skills um, was not for money. It was just a natural way as well. Like I didn't go to school for it. I didn't really take a course for these skills. Man, I can't speak. Um, I picked up these skills just to document my life and the things that I love. 
And more so than anything else, this project has allowed me to do that. So it's allowed me to capture things about my family. It's allowed me to capture uh, the emotions I love about life, the little nuances of relationships that I love. Uh, and also even just something as simple as the look that I love. And just realizing like living without creative fulfillment has really allowed me to experience this joy of having creative fulfillment in such a new level um yeah so yeah i don't know if you're a creative listening to this please go find what fulfills you creatively and keep doing it don't let go of it and that's something i need to tell myself about this uh, project as well because it's very easy to fall behind and not keep up with it but i can't not do it anyways Thank you for listening to this episode. Like most episodes, it's kind of a ramble, uh, not super directed, not very perfectly organized or planned. But hopefully you got something out of it. At the very least, um, hopefully it sparks you to want to listen to any older episodes again or revisit older videos. If you can give that a share, be much appreciated. Um, yeah, just sharing with your friends or like people who are important to you or people you think need to listen uh, or need to hear certain things. And oh God, I need to work on these outros. Um, rating ratings are only on Apple Podcasts, I think. But if you can give that a rating, that'd be great. Uh, or a follow on Spotify and a couple of downloads, that'd be great too. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, the Instagram, we all have casts. Uh, on YouTube, it's actually under June Joseph. But if you search We All Have Cast, it should pop up, I think. Um, if you can't find it, then just go to the website, weallhavecast.com. Go into the episode that you're interested in. And then there will always be a link to whatever videos there are. Uh, that's about it from me. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, um, please continue to, to support this project. <coughs> and... Um, if you've got letters to send in, please send them in. I want to do an episode of that where I'm just reading submitted letters. Um, because yeah, you don't have to be a guest if you don't want to. And I think that's it. Cool. Thank you. Bye bye.